Welcome to Teeth and Titanium, a podcast about oral surgery, residency, and life. We would like to thank the Canadian Association of Oral and Maxillofacial Surgery for their continued support. All opinions expressed in this podcast by the hosts and their guests are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of the CAOMS. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon for surgical decision making. All right, everyone, welcome to TNT episode 13. Oscar, how's it going? I don't know. Like, honestly, I've missed you. You've been MIA for so long. Yeah, unfortunately, the podcast had to take a little bit of a hiatus, unplanned hiatus, but luckily we're back now in August and hopefully we can go back to our once a month routine that we established quite well last year. The best part about today's is that it's the first in-person episode we've done. This is the great thing about, you know, finishing up in the U.S., back in Canada, back in Toronto, and yeah, we're recording this live. I would say from our studio, but let's be real. We're like two guys at the desk. Yeah, yeah, 100%. We, we haven't made that budget yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's nice to be in person. It makes it a lot easier. You know, just to bring the audience a little bit behind the scenes is we spend most of the recording not really listening to each other. We're kind of looking ahead to what's coming up next and kind of planning what we're going to say. So we have to listen to the entire episode before we publish it. And a lot of times I'm hearing, you know, the conversation for the first time. Yeah, like it's true. Like, I guess we get so into it because like you said, we're looking ahead to the next thing we're gonna say that you actually don't listen to what's going on until that recording comes on. You're like, oh, okay, that's a pretty fun conversation. Or, oh, what was I thinking there? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this is gonna be kind of nice that actually I just have a real conversation in person, yeah. just like we normally do. So that's great. I think there were some rumors that they thought maybe you and I weren't friends anymore. And that's why the podcast had ended. That rumor was almost true, but I think the other rumor was saying that I probably quit because you seem to do all the work. But like real, <laughs> realistically, if people knew it was you who got sick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm fortunate dealing with that, but hoping to make my way back and we're happy to be back with the podcast. So without further ado, let's jump right into uh, some current events. So also the nice thing about, you know, catching up in person is we've had so many life things going on, but also some, you know, tying up some academic stuff. So happy to say that RCDC is done. We had talked about the exam in our last episode, but I told you I was hesitant to comment on it because I hadn't gotten the results yeah. back yet. And the last thing I wanted to do was say, oh, this, this, and this, and then I didn't pass or, you know. You never want to be too confident, even if you think you did well. And like, again, I when you told me the news, I really wasn't surprised. I even sent you the text and I'm like, okay, great, but I already knew you passed. Like I could have told you that for sure, but it's still nice to have that final approval. It's, it's yeah, it's nice. It's nice to get that behind you, you don't yeah. worry about it. So happy to report I did pass the RCDC exam. So done with the NDSC, done with the RCDC, I'm done with the A-bombs part one. I still have the A-bombs oral next year, but not as crucial, obviously for someone working in Canada. Fellowship wrapped up, so done. You've been busy. Busy, yeah, done with the fellowship, I had to move back. So I moved back, set up an apartment with my family. Well, I didn't ask you in. that, even though you're here, did you guys drive back? So my wife and kid flew, because let's be real, he's not gonna survive yeah, a 13 hour drive. Okay. But I had my car down there, so I drove back. Okay, so you are responsible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I drove back and I, I split it up over two days. Okay, nice. Eight hours and then like six hours the next day, so that wasn't too bad. You know, what's, what's also nice about delaying is I've actually just started working recently. So I'm working in private practice in Brampton. I'm working at U of T, doing some clinics, some ORs. So it's crazy. I'm, I'm like just literally, you know, just starting off this phase. So obviously I'm going to have a lot of things that I can talk about that are new experiences that you went through yeah. from the private practice point of view. And what's nice is, you know, for a year now, we've been talking about, oh, this is how McGill does it. And you'll tell me this is how UT does it. 
But now, like, I'm a U of T faculty, so I'm seeing what you're talking about, like, firsthand at Sinai, kind of what you went through. And I, and I wonder where that transition will be when you'll say, I'm a U of T guy. Because now that you're instructing there, like, at, at some point, you're going to be there longer than you were in your training. It's funny, because I was, I was about to respond to you right away saying, never. But then I caught myself, because, like, well, you're right. I guess that would be the cutoff. After six years. I think after six years, I have to say, well, I spend more time here than Montreal now. All the McGill listeners are going to be saying... This guy's a they're, traitor. They're, 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 they're deleting you right now. <laughs> yeah, they're deleting you right now. I haven't spoken French in a year and a half. Can't yeah. say I missed that that much, but, yeah. you know. But I, honestly, it is nice because I'll get to hear your perspective, right? Because you're now going to go through the things that, not everything that I went through, because you are going to be doing more of an academic position as well, which I never did. But it'll be nice to hear your opinion on private practice to see if it syncs with what I thought or if you're if I was completely off base into what your experience is. Definitely, definitely. What's also nice is in my private practice, I'm working as an associate with one other person. Who's also one of the nicest people in the world. 100%. And you are working in a group practice. So still, I like the fact that from a private practice point of view so far, we'll be able to bring like different things to the table. So that's kind of nice. The last academic thing I want to talk about, obviously, Amos is coming up. We have, uh, it's a Nashville joint meeting with the Canadians. That's huge. So it's big. As of right now, you know... The border is open. We can go. Yep. So I'm, I'm booked to go because I'm presenting. I'm doing an abstract, which is MRE, which you know about, obviously. Yep. And then I'm actually presenting like as a lecture on orthonathic. That's awesome. Wow. 100% based on my fellowship yep. and like the clout I got from like using their names. Yep. Like, obviously, it's not based on me. Submitted so yours and they're like, who is this guy? And then they looked at the other two like, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. <laughs> but nice to go there as like a lecture for the first time That's rather great. than just going as a resident. So I'm pumped for that. And the last thing is the, as far as the CAOMS goes, the executive committee, I'm happy to report that I've accepted the membership chair position. Oh, that's great for you. So that's yeah. on the executive. You're kind of responsible for the membership of the entire CMS. Yeah. Which um, is really the only way we grow. Only right? way we grow. The more people we have, the better. Yeah. Luckily, this podcast is great for reaching out to people. Yeah. And I thought that I'd be able to help with that, trying to increase membership and retain members. So that'll be a commitment as well. But that's another reason I want to go to Nashville because there's executive meetings be there. there. You yeah. kind of want to be there. That's a really good reason to be at the meeting. Plus you're lecturing. That's awesome. And that's very exciting. Yeah, so there's been a lot of like exciting kind of academic stuff going on, finishing up, working. Tying things up. Tying things up. On a personal level, though, for me, you know, really after we kind of moved in the apartment, got settled down, that's kind of, you know, been been taken care of on my end. But you've had a lot of personal stuff going on. We have, we previ- you previously announced your engagement on a previous episode, which yeah. is awesome. Yeah, she waited long enough. She waited time. That was what everyone said. Yeah. And now, you know, it's been long enough that the wedding's coming up. So I tell know. us about that. It's crazy. So we had, yeah, we got engaged in February that like we talked about. But we've been dating for so long that, that realistically, we just wanted to get this out of the way. We wanted to be married. We're excited for it, but we didn't want to wait another two years and engage, especially when you don't know what's going on with COVID. So our wedding's coming up very shortly. It's at the end of August, actually. End of, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it'll probably be shortly after this episode airs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, yes, we're stressed about some things that, that are still going on with COVID, even though we're going to mention COVID ever again on the podcast, mm-hmm. but it just kind of puts restrictions on what we can do. But we're having a smaller wedding, about 50 people. It's all the people we like. Yes, Wendell's invited, unfortunately. So I oh, wait, aren't we doing a live episode from the wedding? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think that cements that we actually are friends. But no, we are very, very excited. I think there will be some things I'll talk about in the recommendation section about when you are planning your own wedding that people should know about. Nice. Yeah, that's going to be good. And the other big thing you got going on is, you, I mean, we know you're a homeowner now. We're actually doing this episode live from your home. So I got to check it out, which is awesome. Yeah. But you've been planning some renovations coming up. Yeah, so we got it. We, we bought the home and we then the pandemic hit and it's like we've been stuck inside and realize how much time we really spend in our home. We used to travel a lot and we're not doing that as often. So we realized, you know what? This is now our new base. So we're actually going to start, we're looking into it. We're going to try to start renovations. 
much sooner than we thought. We thought we would live here for a couple of years, three to five years or something like that before we did something. But I think we're going to jump on that a little bit quicker. Maybe we're crazy. We might regret it once we start, but we're pretty excited for that as well. Was it tough to find someone? Because I, I heard like right now from work from home, everyone's like renovating, everyone's doing this stuff. Like lumber is expensive. All these things you don't know about until you're like in this market. It's, it's honestly, it's been crazy. I will give a shout out to our realtor, who's like one of our good friends, you know, Sal's uh, brother-in-law. And oh. he's actually a contractor. And so we're going through him. And, he, and so he's made things really easy for us. It's nice having someone you can trust. Oh, it's huge, huge. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so big, big things for you. Totally excited for the wedding. That's going to be awesome. We had some fan mail come in. I mean, I know, it, that was nice. I, it's been super nice. And also, I guess, because we had a little bit of a break, it gave more time for more and more fan mail to come in. Yep. We had the usual fan mail of people saying, um, you know, they were like the podcast were like, what, what's going on? Is there an episode this month? Things like that. So hopefully we'll be able to allay those fears going forward and just kind of put out some more regular content. But the first one that I want to talk about was from Lexi. She's a former surgical assistant from Charlotte, and she moved to West Virginia and she's working at a practice there and she messaged me saying one of the oral surgeons that works there, they were just chatting and she was talking about, oh, I'm from Charlotte, this fellowship. And they were, I guess names were just getting yeah. tossed around and they brought up my name and she said, oh, I know him. Like he was a fellow there. And he's like, oh, I know him. And she's like, how do you know him? I said, well, I don't know him, but I listen to him every month. I listen that's to the awesome. Titanium podcast. No way. So we know we have some fans in West Virginia. Yeah, that's really yeah. good. Have you driven through West Virginia? It's actually really nice to drive through. It is. Yeah. So on my way down to Charlotte and on my way back home, I had to drive through West Virginia. Yeah. Really liked it. Yeah. So that was really nice. And then uh, you had someone that you knew that reached out. Yeah. It was funny. We were just, I was talking to Daniel Nieses that like I'm good friends with also through that buddy Sal, so he's been a connection to a lot of people. Mm. And she was saying, so that she goes into some oral surgery offices and it helps run their GA days when they don't want to be running sedation. And she said that the surgeon she was working with that day is like, oh yeah, like I love listening to the podcast. I listen to it every month, which I was like, that's awesome. I would have never thought that realistically. Yeah. yeah. So it's great. The The listenership is growing every episode. We really appreciate everyone listening. And we, we love getting this mail. It just yeah. you know, brightens our day, tells us people are listening. And also they give us good suggestions a lot of time on what they want us to talk about. Or And, and that's the other thing that we do appreciate. Cause it's not just like, hey, you guys are doing a good job because you know we're doing a good job. No, I'm joking. Yeah. Half the time we're like, oh, that was not great. <laughs> but it is nice when you guys have suggestions where it's like, oh yeah, we should talk about that because we thought of that when we were thinking of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, you'll see later on from our resident reminder that, you know, really came from yep. a, a fan mail. So another fan mail that we had was from Craig Anderson. And he's, once again, we're talking about the States. He's from the University of Minnesota, which yeah. I've never been to Minnesota. No. You've never been to Minnesota. But he reached out saying, you know, hey, guys, I just discovered your podcast today while taking a break from completing the CT read course. So right away, I love this guy. Yeah, he's already one point in your book. He's he doesn't already, have to say another word. He doesn't. Because yeah, yeah. you're he, like, Craig, come here. He likes the podcast and he gives a shameless plug yeah. to CT read. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's your ideal fan for you. He's the ideal fan. I'm still judging him. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so he says he's currently entering his third year. Nice. So he's probably in that now. Nice. Uh, a four-year program at the University of Minnesota. And he really appreciated our comments on the pressure of a rising senior resident in episode two. Yeah. So he's obviously catching up on some episodes. Your conversation on this topic is extremely relatable. And I'm glad to hear that others have felt the same way I'm feeling. Your podcast is fantastic, educating, and entertaining. I have essentially binged it today. Okay, so yeah, he was. He started at the beginning and just started binging it. Please keep the episodes coming. So He's a beauty now in my books, too. He all binged right. the, like, all the episodes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's great. So what I like that he addressed is, you know, the pressure of becoming a senior resident. We talked about this in episode two, how your responsibility goes up, your expectations go up. Yeah. And, I mean, as a result of that, your operative experience goes up, too. But Oscar, what do you think about when you first became a senior? How, what is the best way to manage these stresses? Honestly, I, I will say 
I'm going to give you a shameless plug here actually too, is having a good support system of other maybe oral surgery friends that maybe aren't in your actual program, right? So we would text each other quite often and be like, hey, are you going through this? Or hey, is this happening to you? I think that's pretty important because if not, you can get overwhelmed on your own. And, and reaching out to someone I think is huge. And also just being prepared. I, I think if you're putting in the work, you're going to get through it, right? Like if, if you're studying, and I don't mean going crazy, but if you're, if you're studying, if you're prepared for your ORs, if you're getting things done on time, people are going to like you and you're going to be successful. I think being prepared is really important. It's so funny because that's, I mean, we didn't talk about our answer in advance and preparation was the exact thing I'm going to say because I would come from this angle. Let's say you have an OR coming up, you know the cases, you prepare, you read, you study. Every surgeon is going to have their own way of doing things. They're going to have their own trick questions. They're going to ask you things you might forget. You might not have the greatest operative skills right away. Yep. But if you are prepared and they can tell you're prepared and you've studied, you have done no wrong. That's all that matters. That's, that's the most important thing because the operative skills are going to come. The the knowledge is going to come. I mean, I think of things, you know, patients that see in clinic now that it's like a no brain, like within three seconds, you know, what the diagnosis yep. is, what you're going to do, everything. And that then it just becomes a matter of explaining it to the patient. Whereas in residency, you think like, man, I don't know what this is. Everything's stressful. Everything's everything, stressful. Every, everything is new and everything, it seems a bit bigger than it should be. But then, yeah, if you're prepared, okay, your cut isn't as nice. Okay, your technique isn't as perfect. But those are that's what you're going to learn, right? That's why you're becoming a senior resident. But if you know all the details of the surgery, of how it should be done, of why it's being done, no one is going to fault you for doing something wrong. And as we always say, anatomy, anatomy, oh. and study the surgical anatomy. Yeah. I would say... Over 50% of OR questions are surgical anatomy. Yeah. It's just, it's so crucial. So thanks for the message, Craig, and hopefully your senior year is going well. And hopefully that advice kind of helped you out a little bit. So that's it for current events. Let's jump into our resident reminder section. So as we mentioned, our resident reminder section is actually based on a fan mail that we got from Francois Proulx. He's an intern in Montefiore, which I believe is in New York. Or it's Bronx. So he says, good evening, Dr. Mascaran, Dr. Del Mayo. I just want to say your podcast is very entertaining, educational. He enjoys the journal clubs, resident reminders, and the interviews with the experts. Love this guy already again. Yes, you obviously love him. He hasn't mentioned CT Read though, so. That's why I like him more. So he says he came from Canada and he's an intern in New York and he's undergoing something. It's probably going to happen soon, August, September, October. Yeah. Which is, we're, we're talking about stress earlier, extremely stressful time for everyone that was in Probably dental school. Dental school GPRs interns, which is the application cycles coming up yeah. for Canada and the US. So he's trying to ask us, what can we do to prepare for something like that? And this kind of inspired us to do a resident reminder. Now, with the caveat, obviously, that there, we're going to present this in two ways. The first way thing we're going to talk about is all the interns and dental students listening. Yeah. We actually have like a decent amount yeah. of pre-oral surgery and also interns that are applying for oral yeah. surgery that listen. So we're going to talk about them. How? What's the best way to prepare for their interview and what they can do? And then we're going to, I think it's good for us to talk because the rest of our audience is going to be staff and residents that are already in. And yeah, they'll reminisce about the stresses they went through. But I think it's good to touch on what they should look at from applicants and what makes a good applicant and who they'd want to accept. You know, what are the most important yeah. things? Yeah, because there is two very different perspectives there, right? And kind of they both want the same thing, but very differently. Like as a resident, you want to get in and you want to be the best resident. And as a staff, you want to let the best resident. But those lines don't always meet in that in that sense. But I think that both perspectives are really important to see. Mm -hmm. And honestly, for all the people that are applying, whether that be interns or dental students, in my opinion, this is going to be the most 
one of the most stressful times of your life because I think it's more stressful than just applying to dental school. Dental school, there is so many spots that if you really want to get in, you're going to get in somewhere. Mm -hmm. Like if you apply enough and you go wide enough, you're going to get into a dental program. It's not the same case with oral surgery, mm. especially, especially in Canada. In Canada. Like especially there are so few spots. So it is a really, really stressful where it has to then, you're like, if I don't get in, what am I going to do about this? So I think people should realize it's going to be stressful, but not let that overwhelm their life either. Yeah. So the first thing I would say is that you want to increase your odds as much as possible. For so sure. no matter what you think about your grades, your reference letters, your experience. Doesn't matter how good they are. Doesn't matter. Apply everywhere. So you don't lose there. anything other than a couple of money that you can make back. Exactly. And even if you go for an interview, you don't get in. You get experience from that yep. interview. Um, you get your name out. Let's say worst case scenario, you didn't get in. They remember you the next year. You may get an internship at that program if you don't get into the program. Exactly. Yep. So apply everywhere, especially in Canada. I mean, there's you know five programs or six if you can speak French. Just apply. Apply to all of them. And then yeah, the US, like, apply to as many as you can that you feel like uh, would, would fit kind of what you're looking for. Like, like I feel any Canadian resident that only applies to Canadian programs is looking to fail. Mm -hmm. And this is coming from an idiot who did that himself. I was gonna say, you're, you're kind of speaking to yourself. Yeah, exactly. So like I'm shooting myself in the foot there, but I, I don't think that makes sense right now. And I think honestly, every year is just more competitive than before. Mm -hmm. Like when I was in my chief year and I read some of these applicants interviews and like in their reviews and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I wouldn't even got an, uh, like an interview with these resumes, they're mm -hmm. crazy. So yeah. I think you have to increase your odds as much as possible. It only gets more and more competitive. So I'm someone that applied to every Canadian program and I applied to, I think, I think I want to say 20 US programs or maybe 32. It was something ridiculous. Yeah. I just wanted to literally apply everywhere. Yep. The good news is you find out about Canada before you even have to start interviewing in the US. You don't got to go on the flight trip. Exactly. Yeah. So I actually found out about McGill like I think four days before my first interview, which was like Boston. Oh, that's so good. That's so nice. You just cancel everything. You're good yeah. to go. And with COVID, you can cancel flexible canceling right on flights. You don't yeah. even have to plus, it, plus, it might be virtual. Yeah, that's even that's actually it's, it's for sure going to be virtual. It might just be virtual. It's interviews. for sure going to be virtual. Yeah, that's actually even better. So first tip of advice is apply everywhere. Increase your odds. The second thing I would say is, and let me know if you agree, Oscar. Oral surgery applications is like one of the rare applications where reference letters actually matter. Huge. You know, everyone gets reference letters for everything. For oral surgery, it actually, like speaking of reference letters, you were my reference letter for my like hospital privileges recently. I was the one that almost held you back. You, it, did, you did hold me back. They're emailing me saying, oh, one of your references, Dr. Dalmeo, still hasn't filled out his I form. I looked at my emails, I sent it straight to junk. I'm like, wait, this is not filling this out. I've got time for this. I've got a private practice here. I'm like, we're trying to get all our time. This guy's holding me up. They're but, like, how do you know this guy? Don't know him at all. <laughs> Yeah. So reference letters actually matter in the sense that they're going to read your reference letters. They're going to analyze the wording. And because it's such a small community, they're going to call these people and they're going to say, it's, how was your intern? It's a tiny community. You're not going to be able to get away with these fluffy like references where it's like, oh, yeah, he's a good student, does good things. It's like, no, no, there has to be some detail about you. So this may be hard for people now but so maybe it's for the next cycle of applicants is you have to put effort into getting these references that you're going to ask to get to know you mm -hmm. you can't just be like oh, okay they'll just write a generic letter because that's going to do you no good totally agree and when choosing a reference try and pick people obviously in oral surgery yeah and try you got to pick your program yeah. director yeah. or your internship director and try and pick people that you know are friends or know the people of the program you're applying yeah, to. Yeah, because again, it is like you're saying, it's such a small community, especially in Canada, it's such a small community that bigger names will carry that cloud and be like, okay, if this guy wrote a good letter for this applicant, well, I'm going to take him seriously mm -hmm. because I know that surgeon and I know what he thinks of people and I know how much he judges and good of an instructor is. So he's just not going to write a letter for anybody. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So 
Those are two things are right. Now, obviously your grades are gonna matter. Yeah. It helps to have some kind of research experience if possible. Externships are like a must. Huge. You have to show interest. It helps if you did an externship at that program and looked favorably. Not the end of the world if you, like I never did an externship at McGill. So yeah. when I came to interview, I was like a fresh face. Which isn't the worst thing in the world because you're still making one impression one time and it's like you at your best self. It's almost better that they didn't know you. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I'm like, man, if I spend three weeks They there, were not going like, to take you. Can you be on the ball for three weeks? You know, I mean, that may be a little tough. So externships help. It doesn't necessarily have to be at that program, but it shows that you were interested. I would agree completely on that. That's what I would say from an applicant point of view is really kind of put yourself out there and then prepare for the interview as best you can and just kind of your references and your previous experience are gonna matter a lot. And then when it comes to, so that's the application portion. And then I would say that, let's say you are lucky enough to get an interview at a program. Then I would say where it's, it's not cheating, but I would, I would look at previous residents, right? Or if you know anyone that went to that program, ask them, hey, what kind of interview did you have? What kind of questions did they ask? You really have to do your homework. You can't just go in thinking, you know what, I'm gonna crush any interview. If you can find a way to get ahead or get any little edge, I feel you should do it, right? It just shows that you're doing your homework. So I would say reach out to past residents, reach out to current residents if they're willing to talk to you. Yeah, definitely. And keep in mind that sometimes it's a lot of it is luck-based, especially I'm talking about Canada. Because there's so few spots, your applicant year can either work for you against oh, yeah. you. Some years just by chance are like super competitive. Yep. Some are not as competitive. I'll never forget. So I was at Western for dental school. And I applied just to Western's program. I think maybe U of T's program too. I'm out of dental school. Not because I thought I was going to get it, just yeah. to get some interview experience. Which I think is valuable. Get your name out there. Stuff like that. And my plan was always to do a GPR and then apply everywhere. Yeah. So I got an interview at Western. So then I was like, oh, okay, I interviewed. So I, now after the interview, I have to wait to find out if I got accepted or rejected. And I remember that year, Jordan, who was one year above me at McGill eventually, yeah. a good friend of mine, he, Jordan Giliotti, he had applied everywhere, interviewed everywhere. And you know how like LeBron James had like that week where everyone was waiting for him to decide yeah. and then he came up with like ESPN's yeah. decision? He's that guy. He was that guy that Monday all the answers came out, no one's hearing anything from anyone. Yeah. And I'm like, yo, what's going on? Like, what he just did I get all, in? He hoarded all the acceptance. He got all the acceptance and he, you know, it's a tough life decision. You have to figure out what you want to do. And then I think, you know, you have 48 hours of response. We all just kind of waited for Jordan to decide. He decided on me, obviously. And then all of a sudden the invitations start flooding start, out and they then start you're waiting. Flowing. Yeah. Exactly. So that year was insane. Like if I had applied that year to McGill, I wouldn't have got in. No. I don't think it's you should feel bad. Sometimes there are just these star candidates that you know what have given their entire life for this and maybe you weren't as prepared. Don't take that the wrong way. It just means one, you may have to prepare a little bit more, or that just is like you said, a really tough cycle where you just didn't get in, right? Mm -hmm. And then some years you end up being in a lucky year where it's like, wow, the applicant pool is pretty bare this year. No. Exactly. And if, if it's a rough year, like that year was, and then the next year you get in at the program, guess what? The guy that you're above you, you know, is a stud. Yeah. So for me, like Jordan during residency, he guided me a lot. He taught yeah. me a lot. It, it will, and now we talk all the time. And a lot of times it will push you to be a better resident, right? 100%. Like sometimes people think, oh, like if I, if I am the star resident, I'll look great. It, that is true, but it doesn't necessarily make it means you're going to be a better resident or improve because you're competing against people that are already not as good as you. Mm -hmm. If you have someone ahead of you that's really pushing you, you're going to get the most out of yourself. Same with your staff. You want them to be hard on you. Oh. You want them to be talented because it's driving you constantly to be yeah. better. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Okay. So that's from the applicant point of view. Now, when you're a resident, I mean, you did interviews, you had applicants, you had externs come. We both yeah. did obviously I'd do all this stuff. I was on the selection committee like you were when you're a chief resident. What is important to look at when you look at this applicant pool? Because I will admit, when you do it the first time, I kind of have the same experience as you. You're like, man, these resumes are ridiculously Stacked. good. Stacked. 
These reference letters are ridiculously good. Like, how, what do you think are differentiating factors between people? So this is where I'll go back to the point you said where an externship can make or break you. Because when I was on that committee, like you said, like helping select for our program at U of T, if a resident had come in and done an externship and, and crushed it over that week, then I'm like, okay, you know what? You can fake it for a day, but faking it for a week is hard. And so mm-hmm. if you showed up on time and you stayed late with us when we had emerge cases and you were always around and you always were willing to do something, that's all I really need. I just need dedication and a hard working. Those are my two biggest traits when I'm picking a resident. I think you can teach any surgical skill to a degree. And I think knowledge can be learned. Mm-hmm. I do not think you can teach, and especially in, such a, in a four or six year program, I don't think, because it's so overwhelming, I don't think you can teach hard work and, and discipline. And so if the people come and are already being like, hey, can I go home early today? Because I got to do something. I'm, I'm in town. My family's here. I haven't seen them in a while. To me, unfortunately, it's a bit of a red flag. I don't yeah. look for that. Definitely. And, you know, brings me back, I'll just give another McGill guy a shout out, Godwin Chung. I was on off service when he came for his externship when he was in dental school. So I didn't meet him directly, except for at a dinner. But, you know, cycle a year later when he applied, they told me, like, this guy was the best extern there you go. they'd ever seen. There you go. They said that, you know, he came to, like, every call every after hours case every emer like everything well, that's what I mean. the whole, you, every round pre-round like everything you can fake a day if you do that for a full week mm-hmm. you're either an amazing actor <laughs> yeah. or you're a good you're gonna be a good resident yeah yeah exactly so i think that's a great thing to look forward to another differentiating factor for me was if they didn't do an externship at our place was it because they were doing nothing or was it because they were going to other programs yeah. so I would always like to see like, oh, they went to the US and yeah. do this program. Like they're obviously interested. They're obviously trying to build up their resume as best they can. So I'd like to, to see some effort there. Commitment. And one thing I would say is counterintuitive is it's overrated how much you like get along with them during like the interview. Oh yeah, yeah. Because as you said, it's a one day thing. And the truth of the matter is now as a staff, previously as a fellow, and also just, you know, being a chief resident, yeah, obviously you want to get along with your with your residents. You want to have fun with them. I had a ton of fun with my junior residents, but what matters most in it is like reliability. Yeah, and that's, that's what I'm saying. Nothing else to me matters. Honestly, looking back on it, at first, yeah, I thought, oh, you have to get along with those people. Honestly, I don't have to like any of them as long as we work well as a team because mm-hmm. I know I can count on you. Mm-hmm. That matters more than anything. Yeah, you can trust them. They're reliable. Yeah. Sometimes you get along with people and they're not trustworthy, they're not yeah. reliable. And that's way You're worse. You're like, great, I have a friend, but I don't have a resident. Yeah. Like, what's the point of that? Yeah, I have enough friends, I don't need that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So that's what I would say from the from the interviewing point of view. And hopefully that gives kind of people an idea of what, what it's like on both sides. But I must say, I do feel bad for these applicants every year. It's just like, you just remember going through that and oh. it's just so stressful. It's brutal and I'm, I'm always just so happy we don't have to go through that again. It's such a, like you said, it's such a stressful time and in such a short amount of time you can, it's not meant to scare people, but you can make or break mm-hmm. some of your future, which is why kind of like when we said, be prepared for your senior year, be prepared for your interviews, put the work in, research the program, research the program director, know what you're gonna go talk about so that you're not, so when you leave, you're like, you know what? I didn't do well, but it's not because I wasn't prepared. I just didn't do well that day. Yeah. And this year I'm actually going to be on the U of T interview like day committee. Oh, I feel bad for these applicants. <laughs> I'm going to grill them. Yeah. Like a hundred percent. They're going to be like, why'd you pick McGill over U of T? I'm like, oh, leave the kids alone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So uh, no, that'll be fun and fun to be on that side. So thanks for the fan mail. And that concludes our resident reminder. And hopefully people found that useful, whether it's like reminiscing on their past and their application process and also maybe helping some people on their future application. 
With that being said, let's jump right into Journal Club. All right, Oscar, so for our Journal Club, now we kind of come to the real reason why the podcast is back. I mean... Shameless plug. Yeah, shameless plugs. I mean, if I were to be known for one thing, if it was shameless plugs, I wouldn't hate that because, one, it's true. But two, if you're doing a shameless plug, it means you have something to plug. Yeah, no, no, no. Or, or at least you think you have something to plug. <laughs> yeah, you think something to plug. Which, you know, I think I do this time. So. No, I would agree. I would agree with this one. For our journal club, we're going to be talking about a recent publication in August this month in the International Journal of Oral and Maxillofacial Surgery called Efficient In-House 3D Printing of an Orthognathic Splint for Single Jaw Cases. And this was uh, a paper uh, done by... Your very own. There you go. Yeah. Wendell Mascarenas and uh, Nicholas McCool. Nice. So, so it passes the test. Passes the test. Yeah. yeah the pre-screening test. For sure. One super reliable, amazing person. And then a person who has a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we said on a previous episode that like if we're on the article, it auto yeah, passes it does, pre-screen does, no matter it what. It doesn't matter. You can put nobody on there. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think we're always going to, that's a bias. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. We heard it. And I would like to think at this stage in our career, we're only going to be publishing things. Well, it is true. We're only publishing things now because we want to. Yeah. We have no resume to build. 100%. We don't, there's nothing to, you know, get to anymore. So this is definitely, a. this was actually a true passion project. So Nick McCool, obviously uh, the chief of oral surgery at McGill. And, you know, I used to joke around with him that, you know, we're going to be best friends for life. And he'd be like, I'll never talk to you after the day you graduate, (laughs) you know, the usual stuff. And I said, the only thing we're missing is like a publication together because, you know, friendships, you know, we're fleeting, but like a publication is forever. It's solidified. It's not going to leave. Yeah. It's, it's forever. So, you know, I was getting my chief year and I realized that basically the genesis of this is as following. Cause I mean, we should talk about the article and basically it's a technical note, which we introduced in a previous podcast, which yep. I actually like technical notes because they just kind of teach you like a, a, a technique, obviously, or like a little like quick a point. thing. Yeah. It's like a point. It's nothing too fancy. It's just like, do you want to use this in your practice or not? Yeah. So that, that's what this is. And the way this was born was the following. So the current state of orthognathic planning, if you have a double jaw case, you can do model surgery or you can do virtual surgical planning. Which we've talked, the differences. We've yeah. talked way too much at nauseum, but those are two viable it's, methods that you can do. Yeah. Single jaw cases, so either isolated little fort, isolated BSO, especially single piece of fort, you have a bunch of options now. You can hand articulate, so no splint. Mm-hmm. You can build in a uh, splint from stone models and acrylic. Yep. You can have a, like a lab make you models and a splint. You can have residents do the models and splints and you just check it. Or you can once again do virtual planning. Yeah. Virtual planning ranges from like just setting the occlusion to doing a full session. There's like a lot of different options. But the main thing that was going on was we were bringing a lot of this virtual planning in-house but we were doing it for double jaw surgery. Which, again, makes sense. Exactly, because why would you do like, you know, remember it took, when you first, it it would take you like over a day to do a double jaw case by yourself. When you got really good and really efficient, it would take you two hours to do it in-house. So why would you spend two hours doing it in-house when you can do it in five minutes? For sure, it's it's a no-brainer. And this, you know, shameless plug actually back to Jordan, who was developing this, like, how do we plan these double jaw cases in Dolphin? I didn't invent this. And, it, you know, for those people that plan with 3D systems, they're using Dolphin. Yeah. They're using the same thing that we yeah. were using. They're just engineers, so they're way better with yeah. it. So Jordan's kind of figuring out how to do it. We're kind of working on it. And then by the time I was a senior, we kind of got the process down a little bit more. And now we're doing double jaw cases, taking us two hours per case. And what I realized is, you know, we're doing all this. And what are we getting at the end? We're getting a splint. 
So for a single jaw case, all you care about is this splint because the final occlusion determines it's, everything. That's it. So I thought to myself, can we skip everything, everything and just go to the splint? And many people thought it wasn't possible because you're inputting all this data, but I said, we can ignore all this data. It can look really hack and the set yeah. can look off. I don't care. So I just went through and I clicked, I clicked through as fast as I could. And I got to the splint and I was able to make the splint and 3D print the, uh, 3D print the splint with no problem. So once we started timing this, it took less than five minutes. So You're like, this is now viable. Like, let's, let's see if this works. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So we affectionately called it the five minute splint. So anyone at McGill knows five minute splint. Are you going to five minute splint? Or where's the five minute splint or five MS? Everyone knows what they're talking about. They're talking about this technique where I would make a splint for single jaw surgery in under five minutes. Now, the funny thing is when I submitted this article for publication, I called it the five minute splint in yeah. the title. And I was introducing yeah. thing. Trying to like, not even branding, just because that's what we called it affectionately. They did not like that. They're like, please take that out now. Yeah. <laughs> like every reviewer was like, we will not publish this with that. And the reasoning, which is fair, is that, you know, the, the dolphin point of view. So like start to finish building and starting the print of the splint is five minutes. But the post-process, like the print time, the post-processing, the washing, the polishing, all yeah. that kind of stuff takes longer than five minutes. Uh, and that's what I was going to say. So did I read the wrong article? Because <laughs> yeah. I didn't see a five minute split there, but that's impressive. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. it, it can take like 48 hours. Yeah. Okay. And that's like control. But the truth is the actual hands on. What you're working on. Is yeah. like 20 minutes. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's really quick. So when you do a technical note, and this is for people that want to do it, because this is my first time doing it really, they have a lot of limitations. There's a word count. You can only have two figures. So you'll see from this article, there's supplemental stuff and the supplemental videos teach you how to do it yeah. start to finish. And the supplemental steps teach you step-by-step step on Dolphin how to do it. None of that can be in the article. I had it no. all originally there. And they're like, this is too long. You need to delete it and you have too many figures. So you have to knock down the figures to just two things. You have to kind of explain big picture what you're doing and why you're doing it. And then provide supplementary inform information so that if people want to do it, can then actually look it up. they can right. actually look it up and do it. So this is basically, you can 3D print splints for single jaw surgery cases now. It comes up all the time. Is this worth doing? Because and you, you have knew I was going to ask you that. Because every person that's read this article is going to ask you that question, right? And I'll be the first to say this makes complete sense in the most specific situation possible. And this is that, first of all, you have to own Dolphin. Yeah. If you don't own Dolphin, this isn't worth it. Yeah. It's insanely expensive to own Dolphin. Yeah. So if you don't own Dolphin, Get elim it. eliminate. If you are someone that's been doing model surgery your whole career. And, and you can do it like that. And, don't do it. And you don't and you like the lab yeah. or, or you can make an acrylic splint in like five minutes or, or you're not tech savvy or you're not tech savvy. Not for you. Yeah. Remove. You, this is really meant for programs that already have a yeah. 3D printing lab or, or are getting one or looking into getting one, looking into getting one already have Dolphin because, you know, we'll get into who has that and are already trying to do some of this in-house stuff, yeah. whether it's recon, whether it's orthognathic implants, whatever you want to do. For sure. And they just, honestly, it's just adding another tool to your digital workflow. That's what it's doing. So at McGill, it was no brainer because we already had, we're doing it for recon cases. We're doing it for implant cases, surgical guides, and we're doing it for double jaw orthognathic. And we already have all the materials. Yeah. There's, not, not, there's no the new thing. expense for you guys. Exactly. Yeah. So the question, the next question is, does this literally apply to anyone besides people at McGill? And I think it's residency programs yeah. because more and more residency programs like UFT just got their 3D printing lab. Yep. More and more residency programs are getting 3D printing labs. Cost containment and residency sometimes like 
you know, the patients you get, they can't afford orthodontic or the workup, or maybe, you know, they don't have the resources. So if you can offer it much cheaper, I mean, we'll go into the article, but the splint was 73 cents. Yeah. Like you, you the can't resume. really, you can't beat that. You can't beat that. And, and again, like you're saying, because I felt like I was going to really on that question. I'm like, who is this being applied to? But then now that makes sense because yeah, if you're doing it with stone models and just acrylic, it's also going to probably be 73 cents. Yep. But if yep. you already have this stuff in house, mm -hmm. why not take advantage of it? We are moving more digital. You're just going to get people to be more proficient at being digital. Like, I think it's a great idea. Yep. So just to give everyone like an a broad overview of what we would do at McGill, because in my two years of being a senior, so fifth year and sixth year, halfway through my fifth year is when I developed this, didn't do a single, a single acrylic splint from there on. onwards. Yeah. The staff obviously had to, they had to kind of be shown that what we were doing was it reliable and what is fun? So some of the staff at the beginning, very rightly so, were like, you know, make both and then we'll and compare then, both yeah. and we'll see the results. Which I think that's a completely appropriate. But very, after like one case, you realize we're doing what yeah. you're doing during a virtual surgical plan on, yeah. on, on Dolphin. And the 3D printing of the splint is, what do you think they're doing all these yeah, companies? They're 3D printing splints. 100%. So very quickly, they adopted it. So basically what you have to do is we would take impressions of the patients, pour up stone models. You still have to do that because you, we don't have a way of setting inclusion virtually because we're not engineers. Yeah. Then the senior resident, we would set on a Galetti the final occlusion, and then we'd show it to the staff and they would approve it because that's all that matters is the final occlusion. And then we would use our interval scanner. We had a trio scanner. We would scan um, the upper model, the lower model, and the final occlusion, yep. and then load that into the Dolphin platform. And then, as I said, you skip all the steps, you get to splint module, and you just design your splint and you print it. Yeah. So yeah. it worked well. Obviously, with the technical note, you want to show that you've been doing this and it's not just something you invented and never tried. So you do want to have a patient population base. So I believe for this uh, paper, we had 35 cases that we talked about. It's irrelevant if it's a Lafort or a BSSO because it's a single job. You can do a genioplasty, obviously that doesn't matter. You could do it with a segmental Lafort. The problem is you'd have to segment the upper model um, and set in final occlusion with like sticky wax and all that stuff. And then we're getting kind of yeah. into the realm of like, do we really want to be doing this? That's VSP. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so it was really successful. We had average times. You can kind of read through the paper and then we go into the discussion of when you would use it and why you'd want to use it. And as I said, 73 cents was the cost because once you have all the computer, the lab, everything set up, you're just paying for the resin, yeah. which is cheap, 73 cents. So this was a huge passion project of mine. We weren't sure if other people would be interested, but the nice thing about the International Journal is you have readers in so many different countries, especially low resource countries. So if they can get some money, I mean, they can't afford, you know, 1200 yeah. for a virtual plan, $1,000 no, for no a virtual plan. No one's paying for that. Yeah. And, and it kind of keeps them in that, you know what, I was gonna say second tier, but it's not second tier because there's super talented surgeons that are not using VSP. So mm -hmm. I don't mean to say that, but I mean, maybe not keeping up with the most up-to-date techniques. Mm -hmm. That's what it keeps them. Yeah, and honestly, no stone, I mean, no acrylic splint, no polishing, oh. no trimming, no setting. As a resident? Come on, the it's dream. a no-brainer. Oh, the dream, yeah. yeah. None of us went back, so. so that was great. So anyways, that was a shameless plug to this article and a huge shout out to Nick McCool who, who supported me, you know, pursuing this article and getting it published, so. We have that for attorney, you know. He has ignored your phone calls though, like you said. I was, I was about to say, you know, we don't talk as much as we used to. I have noticed that, but he's a but listener. So he, yeah, he's driving his electric Audi right now, listening to the oh, podcast. Nice. Yeah, he got, he sold out. He got an electric Audi. The e-tron? e-tron, yeah. Wow. Yeah, he got the e-tron, but you know, he did after like. You're just selling him out on the podcast. Huge, but I think he did after like a decade of working, so. Okay. And he drives a lot. Okay. So, and he, and he loves technology. So smart. It's yeah. smart. It was probably a smart decision, but I gave him so much, so much crap for it. So he's, he's definitely driving that right now, listening to the podcast as he usually does and laughing to himself. But yeah, so 
you know, shameless plug, Oscar. Thanks for kind of putting up with that. And hopefully people will enjoy the article. We'll put a link to it, obviously, as we always do. And now we can move on to our recommendations. All right, Oscar. So for recommendations, I'll start off. I have a, a TV show I wanted to recommend. Okay. A HBO TV show called Mayor of Easttown. Have you seen this show? No, I, I actually haven't. Usually I'm ahead of you. With, with yeah, shows. usually you're, especially on HBO. Yeah, yeah, like HBO, but I, I know. This is perfect because you're going to watch it like you okay. always do. Seven episodes. Oh, I'm going to crush and, it. And done. For sure. By the end of the week, I'll be done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, a great show. It's got Kate Winslet and she's like the main actor. So it's kind of like a detective murder mystery type thing. I'm interested. But what's nice is it's seven episodes, start to finish, done. That's perfect. And so, you know, it's got twists and turns, hard to predict, no spoilers, obviously. So my wife and I watch it together. We really enjoy it. You could watch it with Lexi. She'd really like it. Yeah. It's key. You gotta... Because I watch so much sports that I need to have shows that we can both watch. I was just about to say, we all have so much individual stuff we want to watch. Yeah. We need to have kind of joint things. This is definitely like a couple friendly show you can watch. And, you know, seven episodes and you're done. Yeah. No, that's what that... Actually, that will for sure go on my list. Because we've been looking four shows because we haven't had anything to watch which just kind of leads me to my recommendation because we always try to try to think of something and i'm like honestly i'm not really watching anything right now and then we were talking about this and it's because i've been so busy with the two things we previously talked about wedding planning and potentially home renovations and so i want to give recommendations on both of those wedding planning my biggest recommendation is or my biggest piece of information i can give people is as much as you think it's only your wedding it's not only your wedding <laughs> For some reason or another, every single person that's in your life will have an opinion on your wedding and how <laughs> they can make it better. And just today I asked, hey Oscar, what's the food situation? Yeah, and I'm at the like, Wendell, just shut up. <laughs> I was like, what, what meal am I getting at this wedding? Yeah. But no, I will say actually it's surprising because friends have been the easiest. Like there's really been no drama with any of my friends or Lexi's friends. You just want to come and hang you, out. Exactly. You just want to come hang out, have a party. We haven't seen each other in so long because open bar. You got it. So it's pretty easy to keep friends happy family and we're having a really like i said before a really small wedding and we still had drama where i'm like i didn't really know where it was coming from so my recommendation or my piece of information to people is even if you think it's going to be your wedding and you think there's going to be no drama with it planning it just be ready for it and just take it with a grain of salt go with the flow be excited that you're going to marry the person that you got engaged to yeah that's one two is is renovations like recommendation which again you touched on it before wendell is make sure you have someone that can quarterback things for you because it is a lot more overwhelming or is a lot busier than you really think it's going to be at the beginning. You may be really handy and stuff like that. Still get someone to coordinate for things for you. If not, your renovation that should have taken you a month is going to take you a year because you get so busy with life. So this is the section to be a problem of mine because, you know, for example, as a chief resident, you manage, you know, OR schedule, call schedules, yep. staff schedules, clinic schedules, board prep, studying, managing residents, Masters for us, like masters for you guys, externs, dental students, rotations, your own implant cases, extraction cases, your own experience. You're man, you're juggling like 400 things. Yeah, I never had a problem with it. In fact, I kind of enjoyed yep. the scheduling. I love and, being a chief resident. Yeah, I, I loved it. Yeah, uh, the teaching aspect, stuff like that. When it comes to home, it's not the same though. It's not the same, and it makes it worse. I am not handy at all. <laughs> So like, so that's because even harder. You're talking about you know expansions, extensions, gutting place, this walls. I'd be lost. Yeah, you're like, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah I'm lost. So I more than anyone need like desperate. But the problem is, I need you, like it's I can't be like this because you need to know enough to know to not just give complete control up. Yeah. Yes, and that's why and not get ripped off. And that's what you said. Why having someone that you can trust, kind of like with me, it's one of my good friends, brother-in-laws does make it a little bit easier. Anything you were saying, 
you enjoy doing all those things as a chief because that was your job at the time. Mm-hmm. You would have to be doing all those things plus planning and renovation. It's not the same thing, right? Like <laughs> yeah. if you're going to be so busy with your real job, you can't just do that. So I would say that's my recommendation. Be prepared for things to take longer than they're supposed to take, but also invest in someone that's going to take this off your hands and so that when you go home, you don't have to worry about it. There, There's the price that is worth it for de-stressing yep. and convenience. And we talked about this previously on an episode where we talked about like an office manager or like a surgical coordinator or GA, you know, staff, days. GA days. Like it is worth losing money or spending money or yep. not making as much. If it's a smart decision. To decrease your stress. Oh. And these, the nice thing is we're specialists. So we expect people to refer to us because we know what we're doing with specialists. In the same way, we like hiring specialists yeah. because yeah. we know they know what they're doing. This is what they do for their lives. And yeah, like, like you'll realize exactly because now you're starting a private practice career, right? So you have been in education pretty much up until now, right? Mm-hmm. Like you've been under somebody else's watch, not saying that you haven't done everything yourself, but you still, the responsibility technically does not lie on your feet. Mm-hmm. So once you started working, which was a couple of weeks ago, now these are your patients. You will see that the stress level is different that way. So if you can take other areas of your life to become de-stressed by giving it to someone else to do, someone who's more experienced in that thing, definitely get that done for sure. And I can say right away, like, just having started in private practice, being an associate, like it's the easiest way to ramp in because my stresses are for patients, yes. interactions, it's very my focused. schedule, but I have zero stress when it comes to thinking about scheduling, yeah, staff, bills, hours, yeah. people calling materials, in anything like that, materials, you know, chairs, computers, like yeah, yeah. I still just show up kind of work. And then you've got to go home at the end of the day. Yeah. yeah. So. Definitely, definitely uh, agree with you. I wanted to also recommend a book. You know, I talked about in a previous podcast that I would say maybe sometime in fifth year, mm-hmm. I started getting back into reading. And my reason was, and people in residency are going to think, you got to be kidding me. Like, yeah. I read enough. Yeah. I'm studying all the time. The last one is keep reading. Else. Yeah, I, I read a ton of fiction now, just like a little bit at night before bed. And it, it's not the same as studying. Studying, you got to focus. You got to Your memorize. brain is working. Your brain is working. Yeah. When you're reading fiction for entertainment, it's like, it's the same as watching TV, but you're just reading it. Your brain's turned off. You're yeah. just enjoying the book. Yeah. Helps you go to sleep, stuff like that. So I still read a lot. I've been like crushing tons of books. And it's funny because my wife read a book. She's gotten into reading that too because we kind of read together. Right. And she read a book and she finished it. And her mind was blown. She was like, whoa, there were like a lot of twists and turns. It's kind of a murder mystery kind of book as well. So she was like, you should read this. So I was like, okay, like yeah. why not? So I read it. And I was blown away too. That's two for two. Two for two. I thought it was phenomenal. Like one of the best books I've ever read. It was that like thrilling and unexpected and twist and turn. I don't read and I'm getting excited. About this, yeah. So like, okay. Wedding gift. I'll get you yeah, a book. I was like, yeah, I was just saying. Plus, plus more. I don't think the a book will He play. just lost his invite. So the book is called Sometimes I Lie. It's by Alice Feeney. You could buy the physical book or, or do an ebook or Kindle, whatever you want to do. What I like is you're going to love this quick. It's like 220 pages. It's like like super, perfect. super quick. You can read it in like a week, but it's, it's just, obviously I don't want to have any no, yeah, spoilers. Yeah, yeah. Just so all I would say is it's like a murder mystery kind of thing. And it's like, you'll see, you, you, you get into it, you're getting to know it. And then it just starts pummeling you <laughs> with twist after twist after twist. And like, it doesn't end. That's like, like right until the end, it's just twist, twist, twist. And just when you think you're fair, it's like, boom, hits like, you again. Okay. This you know what? This may be the first book I read. It might be the first book you read. Yeah. Or I'm going to look if there's a movie on it already. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to remember Cole's notes back Yeah, yeah. You're going to be like, so how do I look this up? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I recommend that book. And I just recommend reading in general. Something weird. I never thought I'd recommend that like two years ago before I started. But 
I really enjoy it and it really, really helps kind of de-stress. I would say it's a way to slow down. Yeah. Kind yeah. of the theme of this episode it is, is de-stressing. Yep. Which is great. So that's all my recommendations. It's great to be back. It's great to do this in person. Happy that we recorded an episode and we'll be able to get this going again. And we do have some guests lined up coming up that we're super excited about. So yep. we are still going to, you know, continue our theme of bringing in the experts in. You know, we, we, we like to think of ourselves as, you know, new experts, learning experts. Yeah, mini experts. Mini experts, yeah. exactly. But as we've seen from our guest episodes, they come in and they, they just blow people oh, away. Like sometimes, I, like it's funny when we're having these guest lectures or these guest speakers, I'm almost sometimes I have to catch myself and be like, oh, I gotta start talking because I just start listening to them. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, why am I even gonna talk? No one wants to hear me. Someone's I'm thinking like, I'm learning so much yeah, from this interview. I'm taking a note as I'm interviewing them. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking like, how are, how are we getting access yeah. to this person? This yeah. is amazing. It's so amazing. we got some good guests lined up and that should be a lot of fun. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening. Once again, I mean, as you can tell from this episode, we love hearing from you guys. So feel free to reach out. It's uh, teethandtitaniumomfs at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for your loyalty. Sorry about the break. We're happy to be back. And hopefully uh, you guys didn't miss this too much. And, and no further breaks. No further breaks. And we'll see you guys next month. Take care, guys. If you're coming to Amos, let us know. 